Before we start today's show, I want to remind all the dirt balls to go see Joe Prano live. He's on the East Coast. Go see my boy. He'll be there all week. You can see him Monday at the stand in New York City. You can see him in Yonkers Wednesday at the Empire City Casino. And Thursday, you can see him headlining. That's right, guys. Headlining the Stress Factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut with former guest Crystal Marie. Get those tickets for Thursday night, 8 p.m., the Stress Factory, Bridgeport, Bridgeport, excuse me, Connecticut, C-Prano. And if you can't see him on Thursday, he is featuring for the legendary Gilbert Gottfried on Friday and Saturday with two shows. So go support Prano while he's busting his ass, making people laugh from the stage. Go see him live. And also, one quick other reminder, I am sending out koozies. I have a whole new batch coming in tomorrow. If you leave your Twitter handle or Instagram handle on an iTunes review, you get sent two koozies in the mail. It's that easy. If you're a new listener, just drop an iTunes review, leave your Twitter and Instagram handle, I'll follow you back, I'll ask for your address, and I will send you two amazing Dirty Sports koozies in the mail. Okay, we got a special episode today. The one and only Barry McCockiner is joining me for some amazing in-depth NBA analysis and some other random talk as well. So let's get to the episode. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther, coming to you live tonight from the Smut Studio in Venice Beach, California. I'm excited for today's episode. While Joe Prano is out of town, we have a nice fill-in replacement for him, the one and only Sports Talk Barry, a.k.a. Barry McCockiner, will be my co-host. I, uh, I called Barry. He did about an hour with me. We talked everything from Steph Curry to the Warriors to the Lakers, NBA free agency, the NBA draft, and so much more in between. So Barry will be my co-host on today's episode. We'll get to that in a second. Before we do that, I just want to remind everybody to download that SeatGeek app. That's right, guys. SeatGeek, the official and only ticket app of the Dirty Sports Podcast. I will be using SeatGeek this week. My hometown Cincinnati Reds are coming out to SoCal to take on the Anaheim Angels. I was already looking at SeatGeek last night. Tickets go as low as $16 because no one cares about the Angels, apparently. Orange County people don't care at all. But I love SeatGeek because when you open the app, you can see exactly where you're going to sit. Guys, they have more than 50,000 five-star reviews in the App Store. They're doing something right if they got 50,000 five-star reviews. So I'm going to use SeatGeek to get tickets for the Reds Angels. That is a Wednesday night game. And if you're around, hit me up. I'll say hi. We can uh, take a picture or whatever. But best of all, 
all listeners, that's you guys of the show, get $10 off on their first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek supports our show, so we hope you support them as well. Simply use our promo code DIRTY for $10 off on your first purchase. You can use that for concert tickets, sports, comedy, whatever you want. Remember, that's promo code DIRTY for $10 off on your first purchase. Okay, guys. The one and only Sports Talk Barry. Barry McCockiner. He's here. He's real. And he's spitting the hot fire. So let's get to my phone interview with Barry McCockiner. McCockiner? What am I saying? Barry McCockiner. Sports Talk Barry. Let's get to it. Barry McCockiner. Are you there, sir? Yes, I am. How are you? I am good. I, I assume you are currently standing for the troops. Of course. How many hours a day do you stand for the troops? Well, however many hours there are in a day, that's how long I stand for the troops. 24. 24, yes. You sleep standing up. Of course. I mean, there's no other way to do it. You're, you're, a, you're a very good patriotic American citizen. Barry, I applaud you. But before we get into all the sports talk, I feel that I have to be honest with you because honesty is very important for me. It's very important for us at Dirty Sports. And I just have to let you know, it's a beautiful, sunny day out here in Southern California. I live in Venice Beach. And I did engage in uh, a few hits of marijuana as I sat by the pool today. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's um, very disappointing to hear. Um, I'm, I'm praying for your soul right now. And uh, I hope you can find salvation in the end. But, uh, yeah, very disappointing. Well, I, I don't want to disappoint you, but I, I want to add on to that. There was also uh, females and males who were also injecting marijuana in the hot tub area. And I just want to let you know, it was, it was a very tough scene down in my hot tub. Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to throw up right now as I hear this. So, um, maybe we can change the subject before I just vomit all over my computer. Okay. That's a good idea, Barry. That's a good idea. Because marijuana is just, you know this, I've lost countless amounts of cousins. Yeah. Marijuana overdoses. And it's obviously a very sensitive subject to me. So we could just change the subject. That'd be, I think, best for all parties involved. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. We will. We'll change the subject. Let's change it to some NBA talk. How about that? Does that work? That's that's good. Now you, now I don't know if I want to call you this. Are, would you call yourself a unabashed Steph Curry hater, or would you just say you call yourself a Steph Curry truther? <clears throat> I'd call myself a realist. I think that uh, he's probably the most pampered superstar in the history of the NBA. I mean, and really, this this past final series was the perfect example of that. He, he had what? What was the biggest gripe of him for him coming into to this finals? It, it was that he doesn't have any finals MVPs, and everybody who follows me knows that I, I certainly don't let people forget about that. And like everybody, all, all Warriors fans were saying. The entire postseason was, oh, KD, Kevin Durant is like ruining Steph Curry's rhythm. And he's taking away the spotlight from Steph Curry. And they're they're saying that the Warriors were better without KD and all this. And so when KD went down with the injury and then then Steph beat up on a, a shitty Portland team in the conference finals, 
everybody was like, oh, Steph is the best point guard of all time. He's a top five player of all time. And this is the, that's what the discussion was. And literally going into this finals, it couldn't have been better set up for him to really make a statement yeah, and, and really prove people wrong who say that he's a front-running that he's a front-running choker like me and i mean what did we see in the finals we saw a guy who really disappeared in in big moments i mean most of his damage came in low leverage situations when the game was when it was either early in the game or when it was a double digit game i mean he really had he made one clutch shot in the entire series which was you know to tie the game late in game five but that was but in the second half of that game he shot two of six from the field yeah so well that's a good point i think people you know we've had in-depth discussions on our show about it myself and my co-host joe prano and i think why we really not only is is your feed funny and, and and all those sort of things that come with it but there's always truth to everything you say and when you post these numbers, and I think everybody now has seen him at this point, not just you, you know, people are putting the spotlight on his, especially fourth quarter numbers, right? Steph, I believe, right, didn't he shoot 16, I don't have it in front of me, but 16.7% from three-point range in the fourth quarter, which could not be worse. Yeah, he shot, he shot 17% from the field in the fourth quarter of the NBA Finals this year. And it's, I mean, this is a guy who is a career 44% three-point shooter in the regular season. Now, to try and be as fair as possible, I mean, it's not exactly a huge sample size. It was only 12 shots. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy who gets hyped up endlessly. And before every single game, there's always clips of him shooting like half-court threes casually and making them. So... You know, I think it, I think the entire finals was just it was really nice to finally see Warriors fans get humbled a little bit because really their entire run has been benefit. They've benefited from injuries and they've benefited from uh, just I guess fluky kind of shooting performances from opponents like the Rockets last year going 0 for 27 from three. You know, just just like historically outlier bad performances from from their opponents, and so it was nice to finally see the Warriors get you know get pushed back. And I think Steph got exposed, and I think anybody who's being honest with themselves, I know Steph Curry fans are a lot like a lot like Kobe fans in the sense that there's a very cultish kind of feeling there. Like they'll they'll never they'll never give any credit to anybody else. And whenever somebody, whenever another Warriors player does do something well, it's because of Steph's gravity or it's because Steph, his screen assist or whatever. I remember you know, that was, that was probably the low point for me when it came to, when it came to um, Warriors fans trying to defend Steph. It was after game two, the Warriors won that game in the finals and Steph shot, I think, 6-17. He didn't take a single shot in the fourth quarter. Didn't score a single point in the fourth quarter. And the, literally the only talk after the game was how how many screen assists Steph had and how much his gravity 
I mean, we're talking about a guy who is. What does that even mean? I, you know, I saw your tweets. What, what is that? What does that even mean? The the, the gravity. It doesn't even. You know what they means, are. There's there is like a there is a kernel of truth in it. It's talking about how Steph commands so much defensive attention that it generates open looks for his teammates, which is true. But I mean, he's not the only superstar player to ever command a lot of defensive attention. And you're talking about a guy who once hit 400 threes in a season, and now we're we're relegating him, like we're lowering the bar to talking yeah. about green assist and gravity. I mean, what the fuck are we talking about? Well, that- I was I was so dumbfounded, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is I've never seen a superstar get so pampered. Because on the one hand, like I mentioned earlier, his fan base is talking about him like he's the best point guard of all time, and he's you know the most impactful player of all time, and yet. They want it both ways. They want it. They want him to get all this praise, but when he doesn't perform to a superstar level, especially in the finals, you know they want him to get a pass for it. And it, I'm, I'm really, I think, one of the few people with a decent following that is willing to call him out for it. Well, you are, and I think that's what makes your feed so great. Obviously, you know, like I said, we do it on our show, and I think everything, you know, and we don't even call ourselves Steph haters, and you're probably not either. You know, we've said on our show adamantly, and even though people, I think a lot of times don't listen, they hear what they want to hear, he's the greatest shooter of all time. Like, Steph Curry is the best shooter of all time, we think. Like, what do you think of that assessment? Do you agree? I think when you combine his range and the fact that he can shoot off the dribble, uh, I mean, if it, it, it's one thing you're talking about, like a standstill shooting contest, but the way that he's able to, you know, his handles and the way that he's able to uh, shoot off the dribble gives him another dimension. So that's why he's so effective. Yeah, exactly. He's the best shooter of all time. So you can't get better than that as the best shooter of all time. But like you're saying, when it comes down to crunch time, the numbers don't lie. And what made this series even more interesting, not only did he disappear in the fourth quarter, which he's done now in basically every finals, he he's hasn't had the he, he hasn't had like, like and I like how you expose it. He doesn't his finals numbers versus his regular season numbers, just they aren't on par. And that's just a fact. But also the game where he went off and had an amazing game and has the best playoff game of his career. They lose by 13, right? So it also shows, look, guys, that also exposes they're winning all these titles because Steph is on a really goddamn good team. Yeah, I mean, that. I think that the Warriors over the last uh, three years, ever since Durant got there, I mean, they have probably the greatest collection of talent of any team in NBA history. And, I mean, you're talking about a team that can – Really, without Durant, you know, without without Steph last year, Steph missed the the first I think six playoff games, and the Warriors went five and one without him. We're talking about a guy who you know they missed Durant, and they were still able to, uh, you know, beat. They were able to sweep the conference finals. I mean, they have they have a, a, a bunch of talent, and I feel like they could have won this series. They could have beaten Toronto, despite all of the injuries, despite Clay missing a game and a half, and despite. Durant missing virtually the entire series. I feel like they could have won it had Steph showed up more in in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and but I want to be I want to try and be as fair as possible. Besides from trolling, but I mean Warriors fans just make it so goddamn hard to try and be try and be fair because I mean they've been so arrogant and so you know bashful and so just just obnoxious over the last four to five years. 
Because the way I view the Warriors is, and I know I've talked about this before, is I view that like their entire dynasty, quote unquote dynasty, I call it the parking lot dynasty, is they they beat up a horribly injured team in 2015. And that's their most legitimate title. Because then the next year, in 2016, everybody knows what happened. They blew a 3-1 lead. Then they went crying to Durant. And basically, the next two titles for them in 2017 and 2018, it was basically guaranteed because they had such a gigantic margin for error because they had so much talent. And you know those titles felt hollow. And now, this year, without Durant in the finals, they lose again. So as far as I'm concerned, they're... Steph is basically 0-2 in the finals when he was the man against the healthy finals opponent. When he had to lead a team against the healthy finals opponent, he would, he's 0-2. And you can say, oh, that's not fair to 2015, but I guarantee you if a healthy 2015 Cavaliers team was playing against the Warriors team without Dre and Claymont in the finals, I'm sure Warriors fans would put an asterisk next to the Cavs title. So it, it goes both ways. Yeah. But I feel like, look, I mean, it's a fact. And, and the stats, and people are saying I'm a Steph hater. But and am I a fan of Steph? I think he, I, I think everybody has to realize that my hate for him is, is strictly confined to between the lines. I mean, it's, it's a sports hate. It's not a personal hate. But you can say I hate him, but I also give facts to support my statements. I just don't say he's a front-running choker, and then, you know, and that's it. I actually provide facts. I mean, I show stats that that show how. What, what, yeah, well, he's an interesting. What makes the whole Steph case so? What I find just from like a like sports psychology or just like a, like a fan side, I think he's so interesting because he is. You know, he is going to go down. You know, he's an all time great. Like I said, best shooter of all time. But yet you have a guy like I. I can't think of anyone throughout NBA history unless I'm missing somebody. You have a guy who won back-to-back NDPs. One of them was unanimous, the first ever unanimous, but yet is never won an MVP in his five NBA finals. Like like, yeah. like that in itself is is just it's an interesting storyline for him. And I agree with you. People, you know, his defenders they always want to look at like the number the whole thing with KD, they all want to look at regular season because I argue with people on my Twitter too. I remember I, I was tweeting in hard during the finals, and somebody came at me and was like, they're 32-2 and two without yep. KD. And I'm like, dude, what are they in the finals? Uh, uh, yeah, sh- great. They can they can kick the shit out of the Phoenix Suns or the Orlando Magic when they don't have KD. What's going to happen when they're playing the best team from the East? And the numbers don't lie. They have needed Kevin Durant, and Steph has needed him. And I think, I don't know, I think at the I think a lot of it is people who don't understand basketball, they don't realize KD doesn't need anybody else. KD can get his own shot. LeBron can get his own shot. Giannis can get his own shot. These guys are are physical freaks that can get their own shot. But at the end of the day, Steph isn't that. He needs he needs help. He needs ball screens. You know, he needs he needs all those things happening to score. Yeah, I think I think that's where his his smaller stature, and here's the other thing that annoys me about Steph. You know, the entire conversation about Steph is that the media fucking acts like he's Earl Boykins, or that he's, <laughs> that he's Isaiah Thomas, like he's five foot five. I mean, the guy is six foot three. He's yeah. as tall as Julio Jones. Like every single time he, the rare times that he does dunk a basketball, 
the entire media freaks out. It's like, all right, well, the guy's six foot three. He's supposed to be able to dunk. You know, I mean, so like that's the media kind of babies him and and they kind of act like he's this com- compared to guys like Durant and, and LeBron and Giannis. Yeah, he's he's not nearly as 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 you know physically gifted, but in terms of you know uh, in terms of the average NBA player, is he really that you know at at that much of a disadvantage? No, uh, but I feel like. To, to go back to the point about him not having any finals MVPs, I, I think, you know, this this was supposed to be his moment. This yeah. this this finals was supposed to be his moment. It was perfectly set up for him. Durant was out. He still had a good enough team. He was playing against a team that had never been to the finals before. Uh, he had just come off of a series in the conference finals without Durant, where he was where he was really good, where he was great against the Trailblazers. And, you know, it was all, it was perfectly, everything was lined up and his stats, you know, he was, and Steph, I think was good in the finals, but they needed him to be great. The excellent regular season Steph Curry that we've come become accustomed to. And we didn't get that. And because of that, the Warriors lost and, you know, now he's still looking for his first finals MVP. And I, I think, you know, I've said it before. I think finals MVPs can be a little misleading because it is a little bit of a small sample size, but and I would be in favor of of an entire playoffs MVP because there's a larger sample size. It's kind of similar to what hockey does with the Conn Smythe trophy and what the ABA used to do. They had an entire playoff MVP, so you could get uh, you know a, a better picture of who the best player was for the entire title run. But uh, I think, you know, but the way they do, but I still think, you know, if you're a player who's as great as Steph Curry and you've had as many chances to, to make your imprint on the finals, and he's had five chances now and he's never been the best player in a final series. So at yeah. this point, it, it's, it's really similar to what Kobe went through where Kobe didn't win his first finals MVP until his sixth finals appearance. You know, because the first three he had Shaq, and then he lost his next two. So he didn't win his first finals MVP until his sixth finals appearance. So there is some precedent for Steph, for a player on, you know, Steph's level, uh, as great as Steph, to go so long before winning a finals MVP. But, I mean, who knows with, with the Warriors' injuries, the fact that Durant's Achilles exploded, and the fact that... Very know, Clay- tough scene, by the way. That was a tough scene. Yeah, that was that was that's a whole nother conversation we could have. What was it? it, it just, what was a tougher scene? His uh, his his injury, or the savage Canadians cheering on the injury? Which was the tougher scene? I think uh, I think it had to be Durant. Yeah, I think, it had, I think it had to be his Achilles exploding. But just before we talk about Durant, I'll go back to my prior point where I'm talking about for the Warriors at least for next year. With but Durant's going to be out pretty much probably the whole year. Clay towards ACL. Uh, this is assuming that Durant even comes back. Yeah. If, if you know, so next year, the Warriors, it's going to be interesting to see Steph when he has to carry uh, a much larger load. Uh, you know, no offense, no homo, but he's going to have to like, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch, but he's going to be, you know, he's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see him without being able to pick and choose his spots and kind of coast. So I don't think the Warriors, at least next year, are going to be back in the finals. So it, it looks like Steph's finals MVP chase will have to wait for at least another year. Well, 
I'm glad you brought that up because that was my next thing I was going to bring up. The last I saw, now this could have changed, at least last week it was. The last I saw, Las Vegas had the Warriors over under at 54 and a half, which I thought was very high. Personally, with like you just said, no KD, no Clay for basically the whole year. I would take the under at 54 and a half. Where where are you at it on that? I'm a little I'm a I'm a little conflicted about it because the regular season is where Steph thrives. Yeah. So I think it it really depends on on what happens with Clay because torn ACLs, I mean it's not the 1850s anymore. It's not like this is a life-ending injury. You know, players come back from it I think Clay will probably be back from it by, I don't know, mid-season, maybe February. So it depends on when Clay gets back. But I, I feel like – I feel 54 may be a little high, but I, I wouldn't – I'd maybe say somewhere between 48 wins to 54. I think in that range where yeah. there will be maybe a, a five or a six seed maybe. But, um, yeah, I mean it, it's, it's going to be really interesting to watch. Do you think KD – Stays or leaves? My gut says he's going to stay because he's going to. He's just a, he's just such a vagina that he's going to stay. Like he just has that mentality. He just has that beta mentality where he just. There's no reason for him to stay. You're talking about and this is kind of going to the point. This is going back to the point that we were talking about before. We were talking about his injury and his Achilles exploding, like. He was a guy who he rushed, he rushed back and he basically risked his career almost for a franchise that has basically disrespected him in public. I mean, you're talking about last, like at the 2018 championship parade, the, the Warriors GM, Bob Myers, was, was you know, yeah. on stage making fun of Durant, saying that he, you know, he kind of hopped on. And then earlier this year, Draymond calling Durant a bitch, which, I mean, he wasn't wrong, but. You know, he, you know, saying that Durant said Durant's a bitch and that he didn't need him to win, and so, like Durant was out there risking his his career and coming back from a, from a serious injury, trying to to help a, a franchise that's basically just shat on him for for the last couple of years. And so, I don't know if Durant will be back, but it wouldn't shock me one bit if if he was going to be back. So, it it's going to be interesting to see, but. Again, it doesn't. Regardless of what he does, he's but not going to. Wouldn't it make more sense to just do the one year, make thirty million, rehab? You're not going to play, so just get paid. Because isn't that an option? Then. Yeah, he has like a, he has like a thirty-two. It's close to like a thirty-two million player option. That's what I'm uh, saying. But, so wouldn't that make more sense to do that for one year, stick around, rehab, then basically say peace out, guys, then jets and then leave somewhere i mean that's certainly a possibility you know the, the entire the entire durant warriors dilemma has oh, has been so really unique and unprecedented throughout f- for sports history I mean, we've never seen like every everything about the durant warriors relationship has always been really weird yeah really and i mean I, I wouldn't be surprised either you think way those guys hang out real quick you think those guys hang out outside of the you know plan uh, I I don't I don't think so I I don't 
I mean, they're all what? They're all like 30 year old men. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that they're like the banana boat crew. That, no, they're not like, they're not that tight. I don't think so. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't stalk these guys. So I have no, I don't have any intel. I, I just, but my point with that is you see, like you brought up like, like Draymond talking shit to his own teammate midseason, the guy who's back to my point is you would that really is a fascinating thing because you would never see that from any other team. The guy who literally just won two straight Finals MVPs and is the reason you've won two straight Finals now at that point, three out of four. You would you would never see that. My point is you would never see a guy talking shit to like LeBron or Giannis. Or any of these guys who are the leaders on their team. It's just so odd that, like you said, this relationship has just been so peculiar. The, the whole the whole fucking thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. There's a reason why it was it was so criticized when Durant originally went there, and I mean, it's now you're seeing it. It's just again, like I like I said, it's just such a such a very weird and and really unprecedented situation where a, a super duper star with Durant's ability going to a team that was already plenty good enough to, to 73 win wins that's I mean yeah. I, I mean you have to just say it again though because I think people forget they won 73 games the year 73 before games 73 games they had three all NBA players they had the unanimous MVP they, they they were they were plenty good they were they were already plenty good they were already arguably the, you know the best team in the league without him and uh, I mean, we we don't have to rehash this over. Everybody already knows, but uh, yeah, I think you know it's going to be like I said. It's going to be interesting to see what Durant does. I hope personally that he goes somewhere else because I mean, I think it would be good for for everybody. Be good I for think the league. Be good for the league. To yeah. It feels the way I look at it is I don't know if you've ever seen. Have you seen the Friday the Thirteenth movies? Of course. You remember how, like, in the first three or four, the first three or four in the series, remember how Jason was actually, he was like a, he was a really big muscular killer, but he wasn't, like, supernatural yet? <laughs> yeah. And then remember, and like, that, to me, that's, like, what the Warriors were before Durant got there. They were a really, really formidable team. If you really, really were persistent and were smart enough, you could find a way to beat them. Sure. But once Durant joined them, they became like zombie Jason. Where do you remember in part six? Where at the beginning of part six, and I know I'm kind of you know outing myself as a horror movie geek here, but at the beginning of part <laughs> six, like they they're at the uh, like the guy is at the the cemetery at Jason's grave, and then he sticks like the the, the metal rod in he- Jason's corpse. Yeah. And then the lightning comes down and Jason like gets revived. He becomes like this super unstoppable zombie monster. Sure. That's like that's what the Warriors are with Durant. They're just like this super unstoppable. That's like the best it's it's a very, very weird comparison, but that's the that's the that's the comparison that I thought of when you're talking about the Durant dynamic, where they're plenty they're already plenty good enough, but they are beatable without him, but with him they just become like unstoppable. Which one is when Jason takes Manhattan? Which which one is that? Oh, that was the eighth one. <laughs> I knew you would know that. That was that was probably one of the worst movies of all time. Of all time. Of all time. 
That now, now I know you're not an advocate of it, but that would be when Jason Friday Thirteenth Number Eight when Jason takes Manhattan. That is a great movie to uh, inject some marijuana and get some laughs at if you want to do that on a Friday or Saturday night. Well, to me, to me, guys like Jason and Michael Myers. I know we're going off track here from sports, but That's fine. Jason and Michael Myers to me, good guys because they're out there, they're stopping and they're punishing these kids for having premarital sex and ah, smoking marijuana. Yeah. And to me, it's like, you know, it, it, to me, it just shows how the libs try to frame these guys as villains sure. when really they're the good guys. They're trying to say, Hey kids, don't have premarital sex. Yeah. Don't smoke marijuana or else you're going to be butchered to death by a supernatural Hogan killer. And to me, that's a good, that's a good message that I can get behind. And I fully support, that message so yeah. and it's, it's and i'm gonna go even more off track here i'm sorry but it's the same thing with the terminator the terminator went back in time and if you've seen the original terminator he, you know he killed like three people in the original movie who just got done having premarital sex so you know skynet in my opinion was actually a good guy saying hey you know you cannot have premarital sex or else you're going to start a nuclear holocaust and the machines will take over and destroy three billion people, and that's a, that's a good solid message that I can get behind. Well, yeah, I've never thought of these things from that angle, but you do bring some valid points. We got to prevent the premarital sex. Uh, sex should not be; it shouldn't occur until the wedding night, right? Oh yes, anybody who has premarital sex before that is going to burn in hell. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just just wanted to make sure. So all the, all the listeners out there, just don't forget that no no sex until you are officially legally or religiously married okay moving on real quick yeah if you're, if you're, if you're listening if, hold on hold on one second i just have one last thing to say if you're listening to this and you're having premarital sex stop it <laughs> stop it right now because it's not cool and your soul is going to burn in hell for eternity okay you can continue okay thank you barry i'm glad you got that message out so let's move on to free agency, the draft. Obviously, the big move so far is the Lakers landing Anthony Davis. What else? Who who are you looking for them to add? Because right now it's basically him, Kuzma, and of course LeBron James. Uh, like, what do you think? Like, they need a shooter. What, like, what type of guy would you like to see the Lakers add? And at what point? Or are you already saying like they're you know Vegas has them? Because I think Vegas is assuming they're going to add somebody. Vegas already has them as the odds-on favorite. Where do you put the Lakers right now and what they need to add? Well, I I think obviously having uh, LeGoat and, and Anthony Davis is, is a nice top two pairing to start with. But I think if they can't get Kawhi, and it seems like – I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know what Kawhi is thinking because he's, he's just different. I think that if they can get somebody – it doesn't seem like it, it doesn't seem like Kyrie's going to be there. It seems like Kyrie's going to go to Brooklyn. So you're not probably going to get Kawhi. You're not going to get Ky- you're not going to get Kyrie. So really, that leaves guys like Kemba Walker and Jimmy Butler. Uh, and Clay's not going to go anywhere. Durant's in, you know Durant's out for the year. So really, that leaves Kemba and Jimmy Butler. And if you, if I had to choose between those two, I would rather they go after Butler. Yeah, because he he can play defense. Sure. I've never. I said this on my podcast, the Class Act Pod, by the way. I said this on my podcast in my last episode. I'm I'm not a fan of Kemba Walker's game. He's he's an undersized, inefficient shot jacker who's never won anything. 
And he's kind of he kind of falls into that Allen Iverson tier where he's he's fun to watch, but his game doesn't necessarily translate to to winning basketball. So I really would rather they go after if they had to, they would go after Jimmy Butler. And this again, I'm assuming that you know if you can get Kawhi or Kyrie, you obviously get those guys. You can get either one of them. But if you can't, if those guys go somewhere else, then if you had to pick, I'd say go after Jimmy Butler because he can play defense. And he's kind of used to being a third option. But for the love of God, please do not fucking sign D'Angelo Russell. Jesus Christ. They cannot sign D'Angelo Russell. I cannot state this enough. Every single time I hear a report about them saying they're interested in bringing Russell back, I literally puke. It's disgusting. They cannot bring him back. Well, I have some insider info, and I tweeted this out, actually, and it happened. The Anthony Davis trade happened a few hours later. I am a, I'm a fan of going to Costco. There is a Costco near me. I probably go once a week. And the gentleman who was checking ID cards was having an in-depth conversation. Shout out to Fred from Costco. He said he heard the Lakers are getting Anthony Davis and Jimmy Butler. And Fred from Costco, you might, need, you might need somebody on the ground getting you some info. I know you release some of the info that you get. Two hours later, the Lakers traded for Anthony Davis. Fred from Costco and Marina Del Rey might be onto something, and he might have some insider info that you and uh, I know you and Woj work together and drop bombs together. Might want to connect with Fred from Costco on that. Well, uh, I'm not going to reveal my sources. I have some insider info, but uh, I'm not going to reveal that on air just because that's just not what people do. It's it's about respect. Yeah, it's about integrity, and, and uh, I have more respect and integrity than anybody else on the planet. So I'm not going to out my sources, even oh. though I could. Okay. But I'm just telling you that I'm just telling you that they, the Lakers, for the love of God, if you're, if you're listening to this for whatever reason, if Rob Palenka or Jeannie Buss or whoever the fuck is in charge there is listening to this, please do not bring back D'Angelo Russell. Do not waste your cap space going with D'Angelo Russell. Try and sign guys like Seth Curry or J.J. Redick. Get more shooters in there. Okay, let please don't bring back Rajon Rondo because he's a fucking just he's a black hole and he just not to be racist, but he's a black hole and he just just every he just slows down the offense. Alex Caruso, again, not to be racist, is just so he's if you watch them, he's just so much better than than Rondo at this point. But I I, like I said, like I said, I would I'd much rather. If they if the Lakers can't get guys like Kemba or Butler, if they can't get that third star, I'd much rather them try and fill out the rest of their their roster with shooters because we have like a decade and a half, fifteen years worth of evidence to show that LeBron is best when he's surrounded by shooters. So, you know, go after if you can't get any stars, go after some you know fill out the rest of your roster with some shooters. Yeah. No, and and obviously that's that was the problem this year. They didn't, they didn't have anybody who could shoot the damn ball, and luckily it was it was it was horrible to watch. It, it was, was it was tough. I was you talk about a tough scene. I talk about a guy who lives in Los Angeles who has access to all the Lakers games. It was a very tough. It's what's well, been a tough scene here for about five years now, uh, watching these guys attempt to shoot the ball. And uh, luckily, they shipped some of those guys out. I, I know. I feel like you and I are kind of on the same wavelength. I've always been very critical of. Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, like I know they've only been there a couple years, but I've, I'm happy to see those guys gone. It, it was, it was hilarious when people were asking 
Did the Lakers give up too much for Anthony Davis? No, they didn't. No, you got you got you gave up what Lonzo Ball, who plays hard, but he can't fucking shoot a basketball. He is injury prone. You got Brandon Ingram, who you know showed a little bit of potential towards the end of the season before he had his blood clot issues. Uh, but again, you know Anthony Davis or Brandon Ingram, it's an easy decision to go with Anthony Davis. Josh Hart, he's a fucking scrub. They traded away whatever like four first round picks, which think what are the chances that. You know, any of those first first round picks will ever become as good. As I think Anthony it's three, Davis. but yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. Whatever it is, whatever. So, and also the fact that you now have Anthony Davis and and LeBron on the same team, those first round picks are probably going to be later first round picks, so they're not even going to be that great of value. And they gave away the fourth overall pick in in the draft this year, which was a pretty weak draft. Besides, uh, really, besides Zion, so really, you know, well, well that, let's jump into that. You think that's interesting? You don't think guys like uh, John Morant or R.J. Barrett are going to pan out? I, I mean, I like I, jo- I like Jaw's game. Like, like John Morant. John Morant. I mean, I'm not a. I don't really watch a lot of college basketball, but I. Me either. But I would say my comp for him would be maybe like a John Wall. I think. Um, He's obviously, from what I've seen of him, he's athletic and he has good court vision, but he's turnover prone and his arms are literally twigs. He's going to have to, you know, he, he was, he brought, he, he got drafted to Memphis, so he's going to be like the Mike Connolly replacement. Yeah. Uh, but I, I feel like, yeah, he's going to have to get in the weight room if he ever wants to become, or if he wants to live up to being the number two overall pick, he's going to have to get stronger. I think I've. I, I watched. I actually did watch a decent amount of R.J. Barrett because Zion was really like one of the few college basketball players that I went out of my way to watch. So by proxy, I, I got to watch a lot of R.J. Barrett, and I just I absolutely hate his game. I think there's really he's like an, he's people keep calling him Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins, and I don't really like that comparison because Barrett seems like he tries hard. He seems like he actually cares, unlike Wiggins, but he just just isn't really good. Like he he doesn't. He doesn't shoot the ball efficiently. Well, I'd be worried. I'd be worried if I'm New York fans. The fact that he calling himself that nickname to me is one of the worst nick nicknames. And the fact that he's calling himself Maple Mamba. Did you see this? Well, yeah, so there's always every single time a Canadian player gets drafted, there's always some maple nickname. Like they called Wiggins Maple Jordan. Like it's just it's you know, that's always a play on words. But uh I, I'd be I'd be concerned. The fact is, is like I literally predicted this in a tweet in January. I said that the Knicks, like you have to understand that the Knicks, like every single thing the Knicks do, they have the worst karma of any sports franchise in, in professional sports because every single thing they do, they're like, oh, we're going to get the first overall pick. They end up getting the third pick. Like every single thing that can go wrong for the Knicks will go wrong, which is why back in January, I was already tweeting like the Knicks are going to get the fourth overall pick to select some inefficient guard like R.J. Barrett. And wouldn't you fucking know it, they selected R.J. Barrett, although it was I was one pick off. But I literally almost predicted it to a T six months before it happened. Like, they just... I just... I hate R.J. Barrett's game. And really, Barrett, Zion, and, and John Morant, and, and Cam Reddish, who also sucks, uh, I don't really... I didn't, I didn't really know anybody else in this draft because I'm not. I don't really watch a lot of college basketball. Well, but. it was a lot of foreigners too. I watched. You know, I watched the draft. There was a lot of. Uh, there was a lot of. Well, there's a lot of Canadians drafted by the way. But yeah, there was a lot of foreigners. There was a. Uh, you know, I was sticking around. I mean, the, the, you talk about a tough scene. 
the bowl bowl situation. Very, yeah, that was very that tough was, scene. That was definitely a tough scene, and it was even a, a tougher scene with if you saw my tweets during the draft. Uh, that was talking about why he fell uh, in the draft. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see it? Uh, you know what? I might have missed these. Can you uh, can you tell all the listeners what, what was going on with Bull Bull? Well, if 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 you don't know already, uh, Bull Bull was what he was he was projected to be like a top fifteen pick. Yeah. Or so and and so he he's you know he he got to the draft and he's he's this gigantic seven foot two guy. And he wore like a, a suit with like a spider web on it. Yeah. And so you have to. All right. So try and picture. Just picture like a seven, a gigantic seven foot two man wearing a spider web, you know, suit. And I tweeted during the draft while he was free falling that, and I was impersonating Woj, and uh, I tweeted that he left the green room in tears, crying, and about I don't know. Eight or nine blue checks, like verified check marks, like, oh, this is just horrible. You hate to see this. And just just try and imagine a gigantic seven foot two man in a spider web suit <laughs> running out of a room crying. Like that that's the mental image. That's what I go for with the, all these fake books. That's tweets. a great I, mental image, by the way. I try to create like the 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 most obscene and and dumb uh, mental image you can think of, and people were falling for it, and it was just it was great. And I also I also tweeted that he fell in the draft because because he was farting during combine interviews, and <laughs> and um, I, I, I surprisingly I didn't get any blue check marks to bite on that one, but I got a lot of like regular people to bite on it, and they're like, "Oh, this is disgusting." <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and the, the thought the, of a seven foot two man just ripping ass—that's amazing. And the, the the amazing thing, the most amazing part about all of this is that it wasn't even the most fascinating part of my week. And I think you know what I'm talking about. I, I know damn well. And, and and look at you, Barry. You know the segues. That's a great segue anyway. into talking about Skip Bayless on, uh, what is it, Fox's Undisputed. You, yep. Does, is anybody watching this shit? Like, like, what are the numbers? I've seen the numbers are pretty bad. Like, this isn't against you because I know we're about to talk about you, you getting skipped. But who are these people? We've talked about this in our show. Who are these people that watch? I, this is how I describe it: the, the people who take Skip Bayless because Skip Bayless doesn't believe in anything he says, like nothing. Like, like if you had an actual dinner with Skip Bayless, I think you'd be like, dude, he doesn't believe in any shit. He's see, see I think, I think that. I actually, I actually think he does hate Kawhi Leonard. That's the one. That's the one thing I genuinely do think that he's he's not lying about. I think you know he, he shit on LeBron. He hates on LeBron for clicks, and basically everything he does is for clicks. But I, I genuinely do think he does not like Kawhi Leonard because like he really, really seemed like there's just something different about yeah. it. Like he was he was strangely personal about Kawhi. Like even with LeBron, he never really got that personal. But but besides that, yeah, I think you know he's just. He's just a wind-up merchant. He's my buddy, a- my buddy was out here in L.A. and uh, my buddy sent me a text and he goes, he goes, I'm at the DMV right now. He goes, look who's in front of me. <laughs> Fucking Skip, Skip Bayless was waiting with everybody else at the DMV out here, just stuck there. And I and I and and I think I this was I don't know six or seven months ago. I'm sure I tweeted it out on our on our Twitter feed uh, at the Dirty Sports. But I just remember laughing so hard at the thought of Skip Bayless 
just angrily waiting, just like every other sucker, for four fucking hours in some shitty DMV line. But you got Skip. Now, Skip Bayless, on air, to Shannon Sharp, brings up your story about man boobs with Chris Paul, James Harden, and the Houston Rockets. Now, now, t- now take everybody through the original tweet and then how this all plays out. All right, well, it all started because I heard that there were rumblings about uh, tension and stuff between James Harden and, and Chris Paul, and you know there were, there were legitimate reports about this. So I said, all right, this is a good chance to try and try and fool some people by going quote unquote in depth about the feud. And my original tweet said that uh, this was on June 18th. So almost a week ago already, but it said sources tell ESPN that Chris Paul repeatedly made fun of James Harden for having man boobs during practices over the last two seasons. Several times Harden broke down into tears and had to leave the practice facility. Now, and the interesting thing about this was is that there was a thread there. There was a thread, and the very next tweet in the thread was me talking about how Harden would fart in Chris Paul's face, <laughs> so like on team flights, and that and that Chris Paul got pink eye from it. So, like, I'm fucking amazing. Like all the so like like the, the thread, and this is usually what I do with threads. I'll start out with with a realistic, but still kind of stupid one, but pretty realistic and then as the thread goes on i'll get more and more ridiculous so all right so i tweeted this out and and it did pretty well i got a few i got a few bites on it and you know then i went back to my normal profile and i was like all right that was a good that was a good troll and i thought that was that i wake up the next morning and like my mentions are on fire and they're saying oh my god you got to get bayless to talk about that on national television i was like what the fuck and so I, I I couldn't believe it. So I went, and then there was there was Skip Bayless talking about the report about how Harden, you know, got made fun of for having man boobs, and it just it just was ridiculous. And then before you know it, you know, the New York Post is talking about it. Uh, all these major websites are talking about it, and I just it I I never had a, a a troll tweet, you know, blow up to that extent before. And you it was, made, you it made just, it on TV. It's wild. I, I I don't I don't want to try and sound uh, too big headed, but I have been on TV before for my tweets. If you remember, if you recall last year, uh, my Michael Jordan plumbers threat that uh, that made it onto made made a few waves. But uh, this this was on a whole nother level. That's what I'm good. saying. This, this well this this brings up so many questions for a guy like me. You know, one is why how are these people not checking their sources? You know, it's it's just absolutely wild that. Because this this goes way beyond Skip. You figure how it works with these shows. You know, you have so many producers, you have so many editors, you have so many storyline producers, guys, peons who are just grabbing the whatever the the headlines and stuff for them to talk about. But no one, no one at Fox on this show is fact checking, which makes it so fucking funny did they ever now did they ever they never addressed it did they like the next day on air like this was i i I don't think so i haven't really heard anything about it since the the first see because that if i'm a producer on undisputed that's how i that's how i take it if i if i could if i could just interject for a second go ahead i think if i'm gonna we all know that skip bayless is is an attention whore he's like a super troll sure there is a part of me that thinks all right 
what if Skip Bayless purposely did this because he knew that it would generate headlines? Now, ah, interesting. So I'm kind of like putting on, you know, I'm playing, you know, devil's advocate here. What if he did it on purpose? Because there's, there, ha- there's, I refuse, like you said, I refuse to believe that 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 many people would purposely miss the fact that it wasn't a real report. But, but you have to remember a, a quick story from my own experience. And I actually, I played the call on this podcast. I don't know whenever this happened, like um, a year and a half ago. Remember when the wildfires were so bad out here? I did a tweet from my personal Twitter feed that said Waze took me through a fire and I was driving my car <laughs> through a fire and I saw animals dying. It, you know, it, it's something straight out of the, the Barry McCockiner playbook. My mm-hmm. DMs, and the tweet did pretty well, but my DMs blew up with everybody from Bloomberg to news sites all around the world who wanted to do an interview with me. They don't, they didn't, which is wild because all they had to do was look at my fucking bio and be like, this guy's a comedian. And I gave, I went back and forth with multiple news outlets and there was this woman from what's, what's called ABC, it's Australian Broadcasting Company. It's like the big news network in Australia. And I gave her a 15-minute in-depth phone interview, and I asked her, you know, for legal purposes, is it fine if I record this so I could play it on my podcast, play it on this podcast? But that's what I'm saying, Barry, is that I gave it this whole interview. This woman, all she had to do is put Andy Ruther into Google and be like, he's a comedian. And she didn't do it, and she ran a whole article, and at one point I described driving through the fire like the last scene one of the last scenes of uh revenge of the sith where <laughs> obi-wan kenobi is fighting anakin skywalker she put all that in the article like people are stupid you, you can never my point about bringing it wow. back to skip and this show you can never underestimate the stupidity of people those are the same people that are arguing you when you're giving them facts about steph curry or michael jordan or whoever yeah I and mean, there are a lot of stupid people out there and uh, that's re- that's really what my account is is based off of exposing exposing that's the really dumb the people. Entire point of that's that's really the entire point of at, at its core. That's what my trolling tweets are all about: is to try and see how far I can go into the extreme to get people to bite at it. And you know, this is like you know, this is my white whale, so to speak. You know, just the, the only way that I think it can. I could one up this as if I get Trump to fall for like one of my tweets <laughs> saying that he's like this generation's Martin Luther King. Um, like, I'll be like, unbelievable. That that would be that that's really like the only thing at this point that I could see one upping this, but that's well, but I don't know if that'll happen, but yeah, I'm I'm certainly very proud about this. Well, and you know you, the, you should be the entire thing about this, I'm sorry, but the 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 crazy thing about this is that literally like a few hours before um, I woke up, uh, like the night before I went to bed, like, it, you, you know how OJ Simpson is on, is on Twitter now? Of course. I love following his feed. Yeah. He liked one of my tweets. <laughs> like, he, he, like I was, I've been, trolling him. I've been trolling him since he got on. And one of my tweets to him, one of his, one of his, uh, what are you doing over there? The, the, the voice keeps fluctuating. Are you, are you in a, tu- are you in a tunnel now, Barry? What is going on over there? You, you can't. Can you hear me fine now? All right, now it's better. Yeah. All right. Um, 
so like I said, I, I've been trolling OJ Simpson since he got on Twitter. And one of my tweets to him was, uh, Mr. Simpson, you have so many fans that know that you've never once done anything wrong in your life. Your incredible 1973 season set the standard for running backs everywhere. Hashtag hero. And this got like like over 4,000 likes, and he was one of the people that liked it. Unbelievable. And, like here, here I am um, like on Twitter, like 12 hours uh, I'm getting like my tweets are getting liked by a guy who committed a, a double homicide, a famous, you know, a famous athlete who committed double homicide. Allegedly. That everybody, that everybody knows. Oh, uh, I don't know about that, but, uh, <laughs> I just like, but, I, I know. Uh, I just like saying that. Yeah, I know. But, um, and then 12 hours later, one of my tweets is on, is being talked about, about, you know, man boobs on national television. It's just wild. It's really, I never, ever could have imagined. So where do we go from here, Barry? You're at about 237,000 followers at this moment of recording. We're going to get you up to a quarter of a million. Then we got to get half a million. Like, what's the goal? Are we trying to get a million Twitter followers? Like, you got to set the bar high at this point. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't really have a specific goal. I think it's just to keep uh, growing and get as, as popular as possible and, Maybe start to make some more money out of this, and and if everything goes well, I mean, I don't really have a, a set goal. It's just to try and continue to fool people. But I mean, I'm certainly grateful and appreciative for all the people that follow me and, and uh, how how big I've gotten on 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 Twitter. I don't want to jinx it, but do you remember? Do you remember what I told you? Y- your account kept getting suspended. You remember what I told you to put in your bio? Parody. I told you to put parody in your bio, and I believe you have not been suspended since you put parody in your bio. Correct? Uh, that is correct. But I'm I'm knocking on wood. I just knocked on wood because uh, you you never know. I, you never know with Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, is, you're right. Though you are. They're like you know the they're like the Nazis. They just come in and just just swoop you up without any warning, and you have no explanation. <laughs> so I'm just hoping that I can that I can. Uh, Hoping that I can last as 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 long as possible because this is this is you know it's great. I love being on Twitter. I love uh, interacting with fans and uh, really just making people laugh. I mean, I've I've said it before. The the reason I got on Twitter in the first place was to tweet stats and to try and make people laugh. And uh, I think I do a decent job of that. I know there there is also a, a subsection of Twitter that wants to see me dead, but. Uh, but I that, think, but that's know, why you're doing something right. If they, people want to see yeah, you dead, yeah. you're doing if it you, right. If, if you don't have haters and you're not doing it right. Exactly. Well, I, I see you're on Instagram now as well. Let, let's let everybody know who is not following you. Where can they follow you on Twitter, Instagram, and your podcast? Well, all right. My Twitter is at Sports Talk Barry. My, Give your uh, backup, Insta- too. Give your backup. My backup is Troop Loverberry. <laughs> Uh, you can also follow my podcast, which is at Class Act Pod, and my Instagram is official Barry McCockner. So, on you know, Instagram is, is doing pretty well. I don't, I don't, I don't really uh, use Instagram as much. I'll post a, a tweet or a pic there every day or two, but as of right now, yeah, Twitter is basically where where most of my work is twitter's where it's at now are there any expectations for any non-sports is barry mccockiner gearing up for the 2020 presidential election anything like that on the horizon 
hey, whatever, whatever is in the news cycle, I'm, I'm usually going to be there to, to make fun of it or to, to try and, and fool people. So I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't discriminate against uh, non-sports. That's good. I know. I like that. And uh, remind me one more time, what is Cardi B? Well, um, I, I don't want to get sued, so I, I won't. Uh, she is. <laughs> you won't say the R word. She is uh, most likely a. Um, well, you know, if you, if you follow me, you know. It starts with an it, R and ends with an ist, right? Yes. Okay, we'll say that much. Yeah. Yes. And she's on. She's on record saying some wild Bill Cosby ass things. I, I've seen it. Oh, she, she is absolutely. horrible horrible uh, she's a, she's she looks like a chihuahua she's disgusting <laughs> not a fan of her you know I, I like some of her music i'll be honest not a fan oh no she sounds like nails on a chalkboard just awful no what about so you so you would not in, i know you don't engage in premarital sex but let's say absolutely you, not no no you would never engage no, in not, his, not even after not even after five beers no not <laughs> not even after five beers. what about injecting some uh what about injecting five joints in your body no no, uh, under no circumstances. No circumstances. Who is nope. the, who is the dream woman of Barry McCockner? What, what's what's the ideal dream woman that you want to bring home? Well, that's a tough question. Um, it used to be my wife, but yeah. uh, but she she left and took the kids. But, I know. Uh, I'm sorry. I know. I, I don't want to bring that up. That's it's that's, a little it's a little it's a touchy subject. But, yeah, um, it's not a good way to end this interview. But um, sorry, I'm just trying to hold back some tears. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, but uh, I think if you want to say like maybe uh, mid 2000s, Christina Aguilera was <laughs> was pretty good looking. Um, mid 2000s, Christina. Okay, I'm not going to disagree there. She was she was, uh, she was looking pretty good. We're we're saying like the Moulin Rouge age, like around then, like like 2006, okay. 2007, like uh, Candyman type of Christina Aguilera. That's when she was at her peak. Gotcha. Uh, I mean that, that there's there are a lot of attractive women out there that uh, I would have consensual sex with after marriage. Yeah. But, uh, but I I don't I don't feel the need to disclose all of them right now. Yeah. But I, I think the first one that came to mind was, was mid two thousands Christina Aguilera. And I, and I I completely respect that. Well, Barry, it's always a pleasure having you on. Guys, go follow him on all his social media. Listen to his Class Act podcast. And you know what? We're gonna have to bring you on. What are the odds of uh, What are the odds of ever getting you getting you live in person? Is Is there any odds of that? Uh, there someday probably. Someday I got I gotta get my ass back in the gym to to so I can look good on camera. Now I'm just a fat slob, but. Oh, but, right. oh, oh, that doesn't matter, Barry. You, you've, you've, you, you watch TV. Look how many fat slobs are on TV. Brian, Brian Winhorst, Brian Winhorst gets airtime all the time on ESPN. Yeah, that's true. Have you seen that guy? But he he seems, but he, I, don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to go too far in on Wendy because he seems like a good guy. But, yeah, uh, yeah, you're not wrong. Brian Winhorst always looks like Jonah Hill when Jonah Hill gets fat. Yeah, he's like a super bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Brian Windhorst is super bad, Jonah Hill. You're right. Well, Barry, thanks for doing the show again. We'll be in touch. And uh, as always, just stay classy for me, okay? Yep, stay classy. And if you're listening to this, you better respect the troops or I will find you. All right, thanks, Barry. All right, thanks, Andy. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Sports Talk Barry, a.k.a. Barry McCockiner, as much as I did. And uh, that is the show. Quick reminder... 
If you send an iTunes review, if you leave an iTunes review, if you leave your Twitter or Instagram handle, I will follow you back and send you two Dirty Sports Koozies. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Dirty Sports. You can follow me at Andy Ruther. You can follow Joe Prano at Fix Your Life on Twitter and at Joe Prano on Instagram. And of course, at Sports Talk Barry for his Twitter feed. And uh, go subscribe to his podcast. The, the guy has it all figured out. That's the Class Act Pod. The guy spits some hot truth with humor. It's really great. So go support Barry. Okay, guys, that is the show. Joe Prano will be back for Thursday's episode. Have a great week. And most importantly, stay dirty.